Hello, this is Jude from Newslaundry.com, bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Wednesday, the 9th of June. India today registered 92,000 new coronavirus cases. This has pushed the total tally of infections in the country to 2.9 crores since the pandemic broke out in January 2020. With 2,219 deaths recorded in the last 24 hours, the death toll has increased to 3.53 lakh. All these figures, however, are widely believed to be undercounts. Punjab Health Minister Balbir Singh Sidhu announced today that those attending to go abroad for studies and other specific purposes will get the second dose of the Covishield vaccine 28 days after the first one. Comparatively, Kerala has allowed those going abroad to take the second shot within four to six weeks of the first shot. The centre had in May decided to increase the gap between the two doses of the Covishield vaccine to 12 to 16 weeks. The central government notified a new update today on the COVID portal that will allow vaccine beneficiaries to correct errors in their COVID-19 inoculation certificates. The additional secretary of the Union Health Ministry, Vikas Shiel, said applicants can now correct any advertent errors in their name, year of birth and gender as printed on the COVID vaccination certificate. The Bombay High Court has questioned the Maharashtra and Union government on relevant steps taken to publicize standard operating procedures for vaccinating beneficiaries in case they don't have the seven identity cards prescribed for the purpose. The court made these observations while hearing a public interest litigation filed by lawyers Dhruti Kapadia and Kunal Tiwari. The PIL had sought directions to the central and state governments, along with the Brihan Mumbai municipal corporations, to start door-to-door vaccination for citizens above 75 years of age and those who are bedridden. The petitioners had informed the bench of Chief Justice Dibankar Datta and G.S. Kulkarni that the union government had issued detailed SOPs for people who do not have prescribed IDs. Meanwhile, the responsibility of identifying such persons and ensuring they were vaccinated was given to officials at the state and district levels. In another hearing, the Bombay High Court told the centre that its approach towards fighting the COVID-19 crisis should be like a surgical strike. According to ANI, the Parliament Public Accounts Committee will meet on June 16th to review the vaccination policy. The committee will meet physically for the first time amid the second wave of coronavirus pandemic. Coal India Limited has asked Prime Minister Narendra Modi to help accelerate the vaccination of its workforce. This came after almost 400 of its staff members died of COVID-19. The company says it has written to government officials requesting about 1 million doses. At 5pm on June 7th, Prime Minister Narendra Modi made a televised address to the nation to announce a U-turn of his COVID vaccine procurement policy. The government's previous policy was criticised as political and perverse and as an attempt at centralising credit and federalising blame. The central government will now conduct the public procurement of vaccines and supply stocks to states and union territories. Every Indian above the age of 18 will be eligible for free vaccination. However, there will still be a provision for privately funded vaccinations. In the case of vaccine procurement, the Indian government neglected to order vaccine supplies from even its own manufacturers until rather late in the day. No one knows what orders were placed, when, with whom and for how much stock. These are questions even the courts have been asking in response to public interest litigations. While the government's U-turn is welcome, what new questions does it raise? To know the answers to these questions, head on to newslaundry.com and read our report by Jami N. Rao titled, Are the reasons Modi gave for his vaccine policy reversal valid? 
Across the state, officials in Tamil Nadu have sent the samples of 56 elephants for COVID-19 testing as a precaution after eight lions were found positive for the infection at the Vandalur Zoo in Chennai. A lioness is suspected to have died due to the disease, the news minute reported. The Singapore Health Ministry has found that the Delta strain of coronavirus first identified in India is the most prevalent amongst the local cases of variants of concern. In an email statement to Reuters, the Singapore Health Ministry mentioned that there were 449 local cases with variants of concern as of May 31st, out of which 428 were of Delta variant and 9 of the Beta variant first detected in South Africa. Meanwhile, World Bank President David Malpass has asserted that the World Bank is now in favor of waiving intellectual property rights for vaccines. He argued that it will impede innovation in the pharmaceutical sector. His comments on the subject came as WTO negotiations over the proposed waiver resumed in Geneva. Globally, COVID-19 has now infected over 173.8 million people and killed more than 3.74 million since the pandemic broke out in December 2019, according to Johns Hopkins University. Union Agriculture Minister Narendra Singh Tomar yesterday said that the center is ready to talk to the protesting farmers but not about the farm laws. He said and I quote If the farmers organizations are ready to discuss options other than the agriculture bills then the government is ready to talk with them unquote Bharatiya Kisan Union spokesperson Rakesh Tiket argued that the union government should have open talks with the farmers Tiket is currently in Kolkata and will reportedly meet Chief Minister Mamta Banerjee today In his meeting with Banerjee Tiket is expected to discuss nuances of agriculture health and education of local farmers Thousands of farmers have camped at Delhi's borders since November demanding the repeal of the three laws. The farmers fear the policies will make them vulnerable to corporate exploitation. The government, however, continues to claim that the three legislation are pro-farmer. In January, the Supreme Court had suspended the implementation of the farm laws. It had insisted on setting up a committee to consult stakeholders and assess the impact of the laws. For more than 5 months, the farmers, largely from Punjab and Haryana, have been protesting against the three farm bills passed by the central government in September. Throughout the second wave, Delhi's three borders, Tikri, Singhu and Ghazipur, have remained choked by the huge numbers of farmers sitting in protest. As things stand, the farmers plan to continue their protests indefinitely. Covid or no covid. Do read Nidhi's report titled If we get covid, it's Modi's fault. Why farmers at Delhi's borders aren't leaving. We are an independent news platform bringing you podcasts, ground reports, videos, interviews and a lot more. And all this is possible not because of advertisements, governments or corporations, but because of our subscribers who fund us. To join the movement to keep news free and independent, do click the red button on the top right corner of our website newslaundry.com. Subscription is as low as 300 rupees only. The Gujarat police arrested 11 Adivasis for staging a protest against a land survey for a parking lot near the Statue of Unity in Kevadia village. The protesters claimed that the land acquired by Sardar Sarovar Narmada Nigam for the development project belonged to them and had been taken illegally. The protest took place on Sunday afternoon when the authorities of Sarovar Narmada Nigam were conducting their survey. An FIR has been filed against 20 protesters under various sections of the Indian Penal Code and provisions of the Epidemic Diseases Act. In 2019 the Gujarat High Court had stalled the land acquisition for tourism projects near the statue. It had directed the state government not to evict adivasis in six villages near the Statue of Unity. The Statue of Unity in Kevadia has already displaced more than 2 lakh people in Madhya Pradesh, Gujarat and Maharashtra. Kevadia and its surrounding villages in Narmada district are a part of South Gujarat's Adivasi belt. 
which stands at the most vulnerable position once the Union government completes the tourism zone it has envisioned in the stretch between the Narmada Dam and the Vallabhbhai Patel statue. The India Meteorological Department issued a red alert for Mumbai today as heavy rainfall struck the city and its adjoining suburb areas. The southwest monsoon arrived in the city two days before schedule. Meanwhile, a yellow alert has been issued for the next four days. Yesterday, the weather department had issued a warning of heavy downpour for Mumbai and adjoining areas from June 9th to June 13th. NDTV reported on water logging and traffic jams at various parts of the city. Bus routes were also diverted in as many as 30 locations across the city. According to the Hindustan Times, local train services were disrupted due to water logging on railway tracks. Authorities said train services between Chhatrapati Shivaji Maharaj Terminus and Kurla railway stations on the central line have been suspended. The Brihan Mumbai Municipal Corporation said water logging was reported at several spots in the city because the floodgates were closed due to high tide of 4.14 meters at 11:43 a.m. The next high tide is expected at 11:23 p.m. In its latest global economic prospects report, the World Bank slashed India's growth forecast for 2021-22 financial year to 8.3%. In April, it had estimated the growth at 10.1%. The World Bank has attributed the decrease of the devastating second wave of the coronavirus pandemic. It said that the second wave slowed down India's economic revival in early 2021. The report said, and I quote, With surging COVID-19 cases, foot traffic around work and retail spaces has again slowed to more than one-third. This is below pre-pandemic levels since March, in part due to greater restrictions on mobility, unquote. For the 2022-23 fiscal year, the agency estimated a further drop in the gross domestic product growth to 7.5%. This is reportedly due to impact of COVID-19 on households, corporate and bank balance sheets, low levels of consumer confidence and heightened uncertainty on job and income prospects. The global agency also indicated that economic activity will benefit from policy support, including higher spending on infrastructure, rural development and health. Meanwhile, according to a report released yesterday by the London-based global think tank Overseas Development Institute, India may lose around 3-10% to of its GDP annually by year 2100. The report said that India's poverty rate is likely to rise by 3.5% in the year 2040 due to climate change. The report titled The Costs of Climate Change in India looked at the economic costs of climate-related risks in the country and pointed to the possibility of increased inequality and poverty. The report also said that India is already experiencing the consequences of 1 degree Celsius of global warming. Extreme heat waves, heavy rainfall, severe flooding, catastrophic storms and rising sea levels are damaging lives, livelihoods and assets across the Indian subcontinent. 17 people died and 4 were injured in a collision between a bus and a three-wheeler tempo in Uttar Pradesh's Kanpur district yesterday. The accident reportedly took place in Sachendi area. Those injured were taken to Halith Hospital in Kanpur. They are said to be in a critical condition. The Times of India reported that all of those killed in the accident were workers at a biscuit factory. In total, 20 labourers were crammed into the three-wheeler. The bus was going from Lucknow to Ahmedabad, while the tempo was heading towards the biscuit factory. Uttar Pradesh Chief Minister Adityana directed the Kanpur District Magistrate to investigate the accident. He announced compensation of rupees 2 lakh each for the families of those who died in the accident. Prime Minister Narendra Modi also announced an ex-gratia sum of rupees 2 lakh each for the families from the Prime Minister's National Relief Fund. Meanwhile, those injured in the accident will be given 50,000 rupees each.
United Nations Special Rapporteur for Myanmar, rights expert Tom Andrews, has warned of mass deaths from starvation, disease and exposure in eastern Myanmar. In an official statement released today, Andrews attributed to brutal and indiscriminate attacks by the military that forced tens of thousands of people to flee their homes in Kaya state. The statement came hours after the UN office in Myanmar announced that the violence in Kaya had displaced an estimated 100,000 people who were now seeking safety in forests, host communities and southern parts of neighbouring Shan state. The statement also said that people affected by the bombing and artillery fire are in dire need of food, water, shelter, fuel and access to healthcare. Andrews has called for urgent international action, saying that security forces have attacked and threatened humanitarian workers and stopped aid from reaching those in need. The military's attacks against civilians in Kaya is the latest chapter in a series of violations throughout Myanmar, causing massive displacement and humanitarian suffering. That's all the news we have for you today. Stay safe wherever you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. 